0: Well, we're beginning a brand new series. I uh, hope that you've got your, uh, your Christchurch notes. If not, if you're here in Fairfax Station, there are between the doors there. There's also uh, pencils there, or pens there for you to write with. For those of you who are at home, you'll want to print these off, and uh, you'll be able to follow along with the message. I'm beginning a brand new series. It's called Six Decisions That Could Change Your Life. Six decisions that could change your life. We're talking about decision number one today. That number one decision is uh, whether or not we will choose to worship God or not and be a part of the worshiping community. It's a decision that has profound impact on our lives. It can change your life, deci- uh, whether you choose that or not. You know, and you think about decisions. You know, I was thinking about this this week. You know, we make gosh, we must make a thousand or more decisions every day. Some of them are so small you don't even recognize that you're making it. You know, I, I was thinking about this just this morning. You know, I had to decide whether or not I have time to eat breakfast this morning before I got to church. The answer was no. You know, I had to make a decision whether or not that I was going to be able to eat breakfast. You know, then I, when I got out of bed, I, rec- I thought, well... Gosh, it's a little chilly in this house. You know, I wonder if I should wear long sleeves or not. You know, did I need to wear a jacket when I left the house today? You know, just decisions like that. Every day you make those kind of decisions. If you're at least if you're if you're not working from home already, you're you're making a decision on what's the best route to take to get to work based on the traffic situation, right? And we we make all kinds of decisions every single day. Some are small, some are major decisions. You know, big decisions. What's a big decision? Well, I was thinking about a big decision is when you and I have to make a choice between several options, but regardless of which option we choose, that option is going to have a major impact on our life or the life of others those are big decisions big decisions when we have to make a a decision between one or more options and whatever it is you choose it's going to have a major impact on your life or the life of someone else Those are major, big decisions. You know, in a survey, uh, when asked to identify a big decision, two of the most frequent responses that I found this week were whether or not I should get married. That's a major decision, wouldn't you say? Big decision, yeah. And uh, whether or not we're going to have children. Another major decision. You know, big decisions, but I want to suggest to you that there are some decisions that will have a profound impact on our life beyond the 80, 90, 100 years that we may be living here. There are decisions that will have an impact on our life after death, on the other side of eternity. You know, and the first of those decisions is, you know, will I choose to worship? Will I choose to worship God? Will I choose to be a part of a worshiping community? That kind of decision can have a major profound impact on your life. You know, I was thinking, you know, that if you, if you sit down and just simply read the scripture and then come up with what you believe to be a theme in the scripture. Just write down the, the, the several of the major themes in the Bible. One of those themes, and which would be right up there at the top, is that God is worthy of our worship. That's the major theme right here, that we serve a God who is worthy of our worship. In fact, Here's kind of something kind of cool. You know, both Moses in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament both agreed on the number one commandment. Both agreed. Both Moses in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament agreed on the number one most important commandment. Take a look at it. It's from Deuteronomy chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Look what it says. It says, Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, over in the New Testament, this is what Jesus said. It was from the Gospel of Mark. One of the teachers of the law came up and asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, hear, O Israel, The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. So they both agree on the, from the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus and Moses both agree on the number one commandment, the most important thing in all of God's word right here, hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. You know, let's go back to uh, the the Deuteronomy text for a moment. You know, our Jewish friends, here's something kind of interesting about this. Our Jewish friends call this passage Shema Israel. Can we say it together? Shema Israel. Israel, that's right, Shema Israel, that's what our Jewish friends call this particular passage. Now, I want you to write this down because this helps you to understand it. The word Shema in Hebrew, anybody know what that means? Just uh, just by chance? Anybody in here know what Shema means? It means to hear. It means to hear. All right, Shema means to hear. And Israel, of course, even though it has the Y on it, go ahead and put that up, means Israel. I'm sure you can figure that one out pretty easily. So uh, Shema Israel means to hear Israel. Hear, O Israel. Listen up, Israel. Pay attention, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your uh, heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You know, let me explain what this was go- why this was going on, or why Moses said it. What, mo- what was happening here is, Moses had just received the Ten Commandments from- of God. You know, he was up on a mountain in the Sinai Peninsula. Who knows what mountain that was It Mount what? Mount Sinai. He was up on Mount Sinai. He received the Ten Commandments. He had come down, and then he began to read and interpret the law to all of Israel. Everybody was gathered there at the bottom of the mountain, and Moses was explaining the law, explaining what this meant. And then As part of his opening statement, he gave these words to hero Israel, let me explain you this, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. In other words, he was summing up everything he had just said. Here are the Ten Commandments, all all the top ten right there, and if you sum it all up, if you put it all down and sum it all up, it's the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. That's when you take all the Ten Commandments and boil it all down that's what it's all about. Moses was trying to explain just that to, uh, to the people uh, gathered at the bottom of the mountain, the Israelites. And I will say this to you the Shema Israel, Hero Israel, is the most important passage of scripture for our Jewish friends in the Torah. The most important passage to our Jewish friends. In fact, if you take a close look, look at the scripture behind me on the screen there, you'll notice something about the word Lord. What do you see about the word Lord? It's all capitalized, right? Well, that's, that's not an accident. It's all capital because it stands for something. You see, this one is in the Old Testament. It's out of the book of Deuteronomy. And so it was written in Hebrew. And whenever you see in your Bible the word LORD in all caps, and you'll find it some in the New Testament, you'll find it a lot in the Old Testament, what this means is it is giving you the name of God. And when you see LORD in Hebrew excuse me, Lord, in the Old Testament, it is the name of God in Hebrew, and the name of God in Hebrew is Yahweh. Yahweh. Can you say that? Yahweh. That's God's name, the name of God in Hebrew. It is Yahweh. In the New Testament, when you see the word LORD in all caps, it is also God's name, but the New Testament was not written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in what language? Anybody know? In Greek. That's right. And so, the Greek word for God's name, Yahweh, in Greek is what? I heard it. Jehovah. Jehovah. That's exactly right. Jehovah is God's name, the name of God in Greek. So whenever you see Lord in all caps, if it's in the Old Testament, you should read or think in your mind, this is God's personal name. The name of God in Hebrew is Yahweh. Whenever you read in the New Testament and you see the the word LORD in all caps, you should know in Greek, this is God's personal name, and the name of God in Greek is the word Jehovah or the name Jehovah. Now, you may say, well, why in the world is that important? Well, it's important because of this. You know, if you'll remember the story when Moses was in the wilderness and God spoke to him through the burning bush. Do you remember the burning bush story? Okay, so Moses was in the wilderness. He sees this bush on fire. He says, you know what? I'm going to go over there and check this out because the bush is burning, but it's not burning up. So let's go over there and find out what this is all about. So he walks over there to where the bush was burning and out of the, out of the flames in the bush came the voice of God. And he told Moses, he said, look, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to go back and I want you to confront the Pharaoh. And I want you to tell that Pharaoh to let my people go so that they can worship me. And Moses made a bunch of excuses. Oh, I'm not a very good speaker, and so forth and so on. Maybe you should choose somebody else, God. And finally, the Lord convinced him. He said, okay, all right, I'll go. Moses said, I'll go. But who am I going to tell, who, who am I going to say to Pharaoh, Sent me? Who are you? And he said, he said, Tell him, Yahweh sent me. Sent Yes, sent you. Tell him, Yahweh did. Now, here's what Yahweh means. We already know it's the name of God, right? But Yahweh means, let's say it together. I am who I am. That's what Yahweh means. So, you know, when, when Moses uh, asked God, say, God, well, Who am I to tell Pharaoh who sent me? And God responded, tell him, I am who I am. That's what he told Moses. In other words, he said, this is his first name, Yahweh. I am who I am. That's what Yahweh means. That's God's name. God's name is, I am who I am. God's name in Hebrew is? Yahweh, God's name in Greek is Jehovah, and all of that means I am who I am. This is the name of God right here. I am who I am is the name of God, Yahweh in Hebrew, Jehovah in Greek. And what did that mean to Moses? Because what does this I am who I am mean? What is he trying to say? God was trying to say from his, from his name, God is, I am life itself. That's who I am. I am life itself. I am the source of all life, God is saying. I am, I am Yahweh. I am life itself. I am the source of all life. Everything that is is dependent upon me. And that's the very first statement of the Shema Israel. Hear O Israel. The Lord, L-O-R-D all caps, the I am who I am. The Lord our God I am who I am our God the I am who I am is one that's what it means the Lord our God the source of all life life itself is who God is and that's the very first statement and the second statement of the Shema Israel tells us what it, how it is that we should live in response to the fact that God is, I am, who I am. Life itself and the source of all life. How do we live in response to the first part of that verse? And it's to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Look at it again from Deuteronomy 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, let's read this next part. Ready? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So we have two statements there. The first I am who I am. I am life itself. I am the source of all life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Second statement, our response to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. You know, these words, the Shema Israel, are so important uh, to our Jewish friends, that every faithful Jew is required to say these words when they wake up in the morning, again at night before they go to bed, and often Jewish households will have a, a matter of fact. Go ahead and put it up there. This thing right here on the doorposts of their homes. Has anybody seen these? Anybody seen the? Uh, several of you have and it's called... Anybody know what it's called? Who knows what this thing is called? A mezuzah. It's called a mezuzah. And uh, faithful Jews, Orthodox Jews, will have these on the doorposts of their homes going in, and every time they enter and every time they exit, they will touch it. Why do they do that? Because... There's something, oops, there is something inside this thing. I wonder what that is. What in the world could be inside this? The Shema Israel. You're exactly right. What's the Shema Israel? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Yes, that's what's in there. The words to the Shema Israel from, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5 is a little scroll rolled up inside here and they touch it, going in and exiting their home every day. You know, to remind them, that they are to love God with all that they are. That they are to love God with all that they have. Why? Because God is the source of life. He's the... He, he is. He, God is life itself. He is the I am who I am. And you know, here's one other thing I bet you didn't know. It is the dream of every faithful Jew to have enough strength on their deathbed that the last words they are able to utter is the shema israel from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 you know that's the story of the of the shema israel from from uh, Moses and Deuteronomy but in mark's gospel Someone comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And instantly, Jesus responds, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, let me ask you this. Why in the world did Jesus say this? Well, what Jesus knew is that these words are the foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith. Jesus himself, as a faithful Jew, would have said these words every single solitary morning of his life. The very first thing that would have come out of his mouth would be the Shema Israel every morning when he woke. The very last thing that he would have said before he went to sleep would be the Shema Israel. From Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses uh, 4 and 5. Every time Jesus entered a house, he would have repeated the Shema Israel with the mezuzah. Every time that he exited the house, he would have repeated the words of the Shema Israel. Why? To remind him. He was a faithful Jew. He lived and died a faithful Jew. And he, it was, it was this, it was to help the Jews understand who God is and how they are to live in grateful response for who God is to them and how they understood the world. The most important commandment Moses gave us right there and together with Jesus is the single most important lesson to learn about life. That God is the source of all life. God is the source of all there is. And you know, if that is true, actually not there yet, but that's fine to keep it up on the screen. Uh, If that is absolute, if it's true that God is the source of all life, that he's the source of all there is, then it makes sense that God is worthy of our worship that you and I, we really have a decision that can change our life, that can shape our view and understanding of the world, when we really understand or believe that God is the source of all that there is, that He's the source of all of our life. If we believe like the psalmist did, that that even though, uh, that, that through the, Through the union of our parents, we were knitted together by God in our mom's womb. That's what David says, the psalmist David. That it was God who breathed life into our nostrils to give us life. It changes our worldview. When we understand that that God is the source of all that is, that God is the source of life, and that everything around us depends upon God, that it shapes the way we understand the world. And we recognize that the world is not that which resol- revolves around us. But we are the ones who worship the one who made it all possible. You know, I... I was thinking about this um, just this week. You know, I want us to to focus on on two things today. One, as we understand the Shema Israel, because it's the reason we worship. You can put it on the screen now that, that there is a God and God is the source of all that exists. That's what the Shema Israel is teaching us that there really is a god and that god is the source of all that that exists now let me say this let me ask you this why is it that you believe in god why do you believe him you know it used to be that believing in god was was just i mean just everybody did it was the way it was, it was the way that we understood the world. And, and then as science became more and more available and we begin to understand things, uh, some people had decided at that point that, that God was really irrelevant. You know, that, that, we, that, that we're way beyond this belief in God stuff and that simply science provides all the answers and you know even dedicated christians from time to time if we're honest have had uh have had our our doubts and our wonderings about you know whether or not you know all of this stuff was simply made up in order to make us feel better but if someone to ask me pastor why in the world do you believe in god here's what i'd say and i'd give two reasons As to why I believe in God and why he's worthy of our worship. You know, I believe in God because of the beauty and majesty and order of creation. I want to say it one more time. One reason that I believe in God is due to the beauty and the majesty and the order of creation. And I say it this way, that creation itself convinces me that there is something more. You know, when I see pictures of stars and galaxies that are thousands and thousands of light years away, when I see mathematical equations uh, and the precision that governs the universe, I wonder really if all of this is possible without an intelligent design. I have come to the conclusion that really that it is not possible without an intelligent design. It is um, impossible in my mind and mathematically speaking impossible for all the elements to come together in just the perfect way in order to support life. It's just mathematically impossible. When I look at the complexity of the DNA and the simplest forms of life, I wonder if it could happen all by itself, and I don't believe it did. It's not that I have a problem with evolution, I do not have a problem with evolution because I know that God's behind the whole thing, that creation is God's idea. Because none of this could just happen to show up in all the exact right ways in order for you and I to exist, much less everything that's outside of these walls and all the beauty of nation uh, of creation. Let me give you a quick illustration of what I was talking about. You know, when I was a kid, one of the treats that I had uh, when I, was, I went to the grocery store with my mom was uh, I would usually, almost always, ask her if I could get a can of alphabet soup. Anybody ever had alphabet soup? Anyway, just a few of you have had alphabet soup. I'm surprised you haven't had alphabet soup. Okay, so alphabet soup. To have the A and the B and the C and the D and all of that stuff in your soup, I just thought that was kind of cool, I guess, as a kid. And, uh, you know, uh, when... uh, uh, So if, if mom fixes a bowl of alphabet soup, and she sets it on the table before me, and it looks like this. Okay, so she... Picks it, you know, just puts the ladle in, dumps it in my bowl, puts it out before me. And if it looks like this, let me ask you, first of all, what do you think the chances are that that would show up like that? You know, I, you know, if you ask mom about it and say, Mom, how in the world did you do that? If she said, well, I didn't do it. All I did was put the ladle in, and, and I dumped it in the bowl, and I set it before you, and there it is. And you say, well, is that mathematically possible that this could happen in, uh, in, in a number of scenarios? I mean, it would be a lot, but is it possible? Yeah. It is possible, for this to happen and you and you'd be right if you said yeah even though this is just you know that this is uh, highly improbable that it's going to happen in in a, even in a thousand iterations of bowls or soup of bowls of soup it is still theoretically possible for that to happen but when you look at the creation and the universe This is possible with only 26 letters. How is it that the universe with millions and billions of variables? Let's just put it in billions. Billions of variables come together to bring you about in the world that we live in. It's just crazy. When you look at the complexity of our universe over 4.5 billion years, the odds to get it right without intelligent design is so minuscule that you couldn't even hardly come up with an equation to make it work. And you see, people of faith look at that and say, you know, we know science. I like science. You know, and people say, well, you know, what about the Big Bang and all of that? Well, great. Who do you think caused the Big Bang? Where did the gases come from that came together, that hit each other to form the explosion? Where did all of that happen? Where did that come from? And just how just how far is space? Just how far out is it? We've never even been further live with people than the moon, and that's a not even the closest, that's, that's not even a planet within our own galaxy. And there are millions of galaxies. How is it that all of this just happened to come together in just the right space without an intelligent design? I believe that the beauty and majesty and the order of creation proves that God exists. Second reason that I believe in God is the witness of other people. You see, when I when I was a child, my parents used to read Bible stories to me the night before I, uh, at night before I went to sleep. They would talk about faith with me. When I was old enough to read on my own. I began to read the scriptures myself and was fascinated by the stories that I found in the scripture. People like Abraham and Moses and David and the prophets who risked life and limb because they believe in God and they believe that God was real. I read the stories about the 12 uh, or the disciples that uh, followed Jesus and recognized that every one of them but one died a violent, horrible death because they were not willing to recant their story that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, I've said this before, but I'm not sure that I would be willing to die for a lie or for that which I did not believe to be true. You know, I begin to see in other people their faith and their life the, uh, from the New Testament and, and from people beyond. And, uh, and I realize the kinds of things that we Christians have done in the world And I'm not talking about the things that are reprehensible because there have been reprehensible things. But do you realize that the first schools and the first hospitals were because of people of faith? You know, I look at the witness of others and I look at what God has done in the world And I believe without any reservation or doubt that God is worthy of my worship. He is worthy of my praise. He is worthy of all that I am and all that I have. My heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. This is who God is. And he is worthy of worship. How do we respond? Well, look at James chapter two, verses nineteen. Verse nineteen, it says, "Are there still some among you who hold that only believing is enough, believing in one God?" Well, remember that the demons believe this too so strongly that they trim, uh, that they tremble in terror. I would simply just say that it's not enough to simply believe. Because even the demons do that. Here's what God calls us to. That God is worthy of our worship and our love. And when you make that decision, it is a decision that will have a profound impact, not only on the 80, 90, 100 years that you'll live here, but it has that same profound impact on what happens in eternity. Let's join our hearts together as we pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come together in prayer as the people of Christ church, acknowledging that you are God. You know, we have, uh, each of us has a decision to make in our own life as to whether or not we choose to worship and to be a part of a worshiping community. you know, Lord, you call us to come together. you call us to 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 be in community together and support and encouragement of one another and to take care of those who are less fortunate than we are. We thank you, Lord, for the million meals that the people of Christ Church have made possible for the People of Haiti. We're grateful, Lord, for the, for the 400 and nearly 450 students in, uh, in Kenya who are able to go to school because of the people of Christ Church. We thank you, Lord, so much for the people right here in Northern Virginia who have had something to eat because of the 16 tons. Of food that we have given since the beginning of the pandemic, right here in Northern Virginia, right on Route One. Lord, just this little handful of, of things are ways that we are doing our very best to love you and love others and live out the gospel life. And we do it because you are worthy of worship. We do it because we take you seriously. So, Lord, right now, we pray that you would strengthen our faith, help us to live it out in a way that makes the world a better place. And we are grateful, Lord, for everyone in this room and those who are worshiping with us online because we are a family. We have come together as a family for this distinct and sole purpose of giving you worship and praise. You're worthy. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.